Happy Wednesday, everyone. Welcome into the New Orleans Saints podcast presented by SeatGeek for November 4th. It is a beautiful day here in New Orleans. I hope you are out enjoying it and listening to this podcast. If it's not Wednesday or if it's not beautiful when you're listening to this podcast, I'm sorry because this weather is just gorgeous. All right, now that we've gotten all of our positivity out of the way, it's time for me to tell you who we're going to have on the show today. We'll be having longtime New Orleans uh, reporter Karen Loftus, who spent some time with WGNO before eventually moving on to Tampa Bay, or Tampa, excuse me, this last year. She serves as an anchor and reporter at WFLA. So exciting conversation with Karen Loftus to get a little insight on the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, who the Saints will obviously see on Sunday. We'll also get you set for your fantasy football lineup this Sunday as Daniel Salerson sits down with Sports Illustrated's Ben Heisler. So be sure to listen to that. And then on Friday's episode, a little preview for Friday's episode, we'll get into a little bit more on Quan Alexander, the linebacker the Saints traded for uh, with the 49ers. So we'll get into that talk on Friday. So if you want to hear a little bit more on Quan, be sure to listen to Friday's episode. But first things first, let's talk some Buccaneers with Karen Loftus. Karen, I believe the last time we talked, we were talking about the headlining news that Tom Brady was joining the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, and we were talking about the NFC South and how that was going to turn out. Now we're talking about Antonio Brown. So you're just our breaking news, Bucks uh, Connect. I'm here for all of it. I keep saying that I brought all the good juju from Louisiana to, to Tampa, and uh, I'll, I'll steal Ryan Clark's line. He just said the, the Bucks are hoarding commodities here. Absolutely, they are. For people that, you know, were a fan of you when you were in Louisiana, I watched WGNO, how is life going in at WFLA? I mean, you've only covered a few things since you got there. It's absolutely awesome. Um, it's been a whirlwind couple months, just how the, the sports, the professional sports seasons have sort of slid because of the pandemic. So at one point we were covering Stanley Cup playoffs, MLB playoffs, and the NFL, and college football. Um, so it was super busy, but it was really fun. I mean, that was my first Stanley Cup playoffs that I got to cover. Um, and same with baseball. I'd never um, been in a Major League Baseball city either. So that was really fun. I mean, unfortunately for the Rays, they fell just short. Right. Um, but it's been fun. I mean, you, you guys know it's always more fun to cover a team when they're winning. So we've had a lot of that going around. So hold up, Karen. So you, you leave here, the Saints are a winning team. You go there, Tampa, which had been somewhat abysmal. <laughs> Winning team, or you just telling them, "Hey, this this how I do it." You know, yes. the the winning follows me. That's what I'm saying. So <laughs> my last assignment was LSU winning a national championship. So I just sort all that just sort of brushed up on me, and I just brought it over here. Just take what? it and place it here. I love it. I just brought it over. So I mean, I am willing to take all the credit for the winning in <laughs> I know it's right. a big burden to bear. Yeah, so you take it. So you're taking credit for that six and two. And speaking of that six and two for Tampa, um, Saints rolling in five and two. This is basically this could be the game that de- determines the division champ because the Saints are already up one game in the in you know, hit they're head to head, but they're one game up you know head to head in the loss column basically because you know they've got the head to head win. Uh, so how huge is this for Tampa because? The Bucs have been a while since they've been in this kind of position where they could kind of take command of the division and, and roll on out. Yeah, and this is the Bucks' best record through eight games since 2002. So that's sort of a point of reference of how far they've come and how the magnitude of how good this season is for them. And it's 
very exciting because this is what we all sort of anticipated when Tom Brady came to Tampa and then they got Gronk and yada, 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 the whole list of players that they stockpiled. We thought this was going to be the situation that this second meeting on Sunday night football was going to be for the division, which it essentially is. And I think that the Bucs are just a completely different team than they were in week one. And, and as the Saints are, I'm sure, too. Um, the Bucks are, you know, Bruce Arians was just saying they are light years ahead of where they were in week one, offensively in particular, the kicking game, special teams. Their defense has been consistently good because they had a lot of, you know, pretty much everybody returning. It was the offense that um, had some question marks and had to go through their preseason air quotes, um, those first few games of the regular season. Karen, obviously the breaking news on Wednesday, Antonio Brown's first practice with the Buccaneers. Have you heard anything about how that practice went? I mean, I feel like five days is enough time if history has told us anything for uh, things to go awry with Antonio Brown. I'm sure Bucks fans are hoping that doesn't happen, but um, have you heard anything about how that first practice went? Um, so far, so good. <laughs> um, they, so Bruce Aarons was saying today was just going to be a walkthrough for them. Um, so I think it was, it was not, you know, full speed type of situation, but this today was the first day he was able to be out on the field, actually practicing with the guys. He was able to be in the building. He was training, um, and conditioning type stuff. But today was the first day Wednesday that he was able to be out there with the team. And Tom Brady was saying, you know, it's easy to get up to speed with people who just get it. Yeah. And he was talking about, you know, his first reps with, some of the great ones. I think it was in his interview with Randy Moss. He was saying that, you know, these, it's easy to develop a quick rapport with talented people such as Antonio Brown. So it's going to be um, exciting to see if he is, if they click immediately. Yeah. Well, he's already had the experience of having him in New England for, you know, a hot second before uh, Antonio Brown got suspended. Also, <laughs> got the benefit of, of being able to throw to him in his backyard because he's staying at Tom Brady's house right now. Yeah, yeah. roomies. Roomies. <laughs> didn't know that. Wow. So he's got those benefits. But, but you know, Chris Godwin is, is another guy who looks like he might be able to go in this game. He's got the broken finger. I think uh, Bruce Arian said today that he was going to work Friday. Uh, what will he additionally bring? Because I think uh, some of the things that they might be planning on doing with Antonio Brown, or at least some of the things that Brown has done in the past, have been kind of Chris Godwin type routes uh, offensively. So, you know, is, is that going to be a thing where those guys will be able to coexist, I guess? Yeah, absolutely. And, and you're correct about saying that Arians mentioned Friday would sort of be the determining day of whether Chris Godwin was a go or not. Um, but I mean, that's why they got Antonio Brown. So with or without Chris Godwin, it's an insurance policy, as Arians was saying, just to have another weapon. But also the main part of having Antonio Brown is to take some of the double coverage off of Mike Evans and hopefully open him up and get him more looks than he's had this season because they have been spreading the ball. I mean, Scotty Miller is their leading receiver right now, not Mike Evans. So I think that's the main factor with Antonio Brown. And Arians was saying, you know, it's not necessarily he's going to get a ton of targets. I mean, he said anywhere from, I think like 10 to 35 plays maybe for Antonio Brown plays, not necessarily, you know, targets. Um, so looking at Antonio Brown and what he says, you know, find your role and embrace it. So it's to be determined how much that's going to be. And as you guys know, I mean, it depends on what the um, opponent's defense presents to them. Karen, how well, or, or what kind of groove has Brady been in? I'm 
looked at his numbers and, and in the seven games since they played the Saints, I think he's right at like 1,950 yards and 18 touchdowns, two interceptions, ridiculous numbers. Um, he really seems to have found whatever it is he was looking for uh, early in the season. Uh, what kind of groove have you guys kind of noticed he's in? And, and has, has that pretty much permeated through the team where they've got a quarterback now where they feel like, you know what, there isn't a team we can lose to if this guy is on. Right. And, and execution and winning breeds confidence. And when you have a, a quarterback at his caliber executing to his full potential, I mean, he's fourth in the league with passing touchdowns with 20. He's uh, or third in the league with touchdowns, fourth in the league in passing yards. Um, the other thing, look at the offensive line and how well they have been playing. They've been cleaning up their penalties. They're playing incredible. He has not been sacked in the, he's been sacked twice in the last three games. So they're keeping him upright. They're giving him time to complete his plays and his offensive weapons are, nobody wants to let him down. So that's <laughs> offensive line or his offensive weapons. Like if he throws you the ball, you better catch it. If you're his offensive line, you better protect him and give him the time that he needs. Um, so I think those are the major factors is his offensive line, giving him the protection that he needs. And he's not gonna make those mistakes. If he has the time and he has the weapons around him, I mean, he's only thrown four interceptions this entire season, which is incredible. So four interceptions, 20 touchdowns, and he's thrown no picks in the last four games. Well, and you I've been trying to get that. Oh, a message across to, to Caroline. I'm sorry, I'll just, I've been trying to get that message across to Caroline to just not let me down. Just let me down. Whatever you do, you know, protect me. Don't let me down. And yet, it's just not getting through. You know what? There was a reason why your Wi-Fi disconnected, and it was because God doesn't like ugly. So I'm just going to say that. But Karen, you and JD just talked about Tom Brady, how well things are going. But over the last two games, you've seen him get a little frustrated, you know, banging his helmet on the on the bench and things like that. But, you know, when you expect greatness out of yourself and everyone around you, that's kind of going to come with it. But do you have an inside scoop on like or where that frustration is? Is it frustration with himself? Is it with receivers? Is it with the routes? Like where does that frustration kind of stem from? I think it's just him just wanting to win so badly. And, you know, you can only control so much. Like he cannot control every single person around him. And I feel like the type of personality that he is, he just wants everything to be perfect. And you see that boiling over when it gets to a point of knowing that there's like correctable things or situations that you could have done better, whether him personally or the people around him. Yeah. Um, but I know Arians was saying a lot of the, the troubles that they had in those two primetime games, the, the one against the Bears, and then, you know, their struggles against the Wolf, one in six Giants, um, had to do with their communication. Um, and he said that was, you know, sort of the beginning and end of, of where they had some problems. So. I mean, if you have communication breakdowns, that, that leads to frustration because you know that you can do better. Yeah, especially if you're a guy like Tom Brady who's been there, done that. Um, Lewis Riddick on Monday Night Football said that, you know, the Bucks had the best safeties in the NFL. What do you think has shaped this Buck de Bucks defense into being amongst the top in the, in the NFL right now after doing so poorly the last few seasons? I'm going to cite what all of them say, and it's Todd Bowles, the defensive coordinator. He dials up everything at the appropriate times and knows his personnel and knows how to utilize them to their full potential. Um, you just look at the, the Devin White and Levante David, just absolutely incredible linebackers. I mean, they combined for 
129 tackles on the team. They're the top two leading tacklers on the team. Devin White is getting after the quarterback, which is something that he set in his mind as a point of emphasis. He has five sacks this season um, when he only had two and a half last season. So you talk about the pass rush. So their pass rush is on point. And as you guys know, the trickle-down effect to the secondary with that, where you have Carlton Davis, you have Sean Murphy Bunting getting his first interception on Monday, um, and just making the quarterback uncomfortable and letting their secondary do what they do. And they know how to be in the right place at the right time and anticipate maybe some of those bad decisions that some of their opposing quarterbacks are making, like we saw you know, just in their game against the Giants. Um, that's really lent itself to the secondary thriving. I think we lost JD. He's struggling with Wi-Fi as so many people in New Orleans are, but read a tweet from Andrew Siciliano this morning saying if the Saints beat the Buccaneers Sunday, it'll mark the first time Tom Brady would be swept by a division rival in his 19 years in the NFL, which is insane. So do you think, I know that's what I thought. Do you think that will give the Bucs uh, enough spark against the Saints as if they needed enough already at going against a divisional opponent, but wanting kind of their guy and Tom Brady to beat Drew Brees? I don't know if that's necessarily motivation for them. I think it's more of not the, you know, Brady against Breeze type of thing for them. It's like the idea of if you want to be the best, you have to beat the best. And and New Orleans has been that. They have proven that they have been the best in the NFC South and one of the top teams in the NFC. And, you know, the motivation of being your home turf and, you know, all of those things that just – we just want to win. We've gotten a taste of how good this team can be. And they've all said that they still, the ceiling is still up there, that they haven't even reached their full potential. Um, so I think that alone, just wanting to beat the Saints, you know, you lose to them earlier, mm. that revenge factor of like, okay, we're not going to get swept by them this season. Yeah. Yeah, and you're right. They they have been the standard. So for now that the Bucks have a, a great roster, I, I mean, this would be the year to do it. Last question before I let you go, Karen, is there anyone on this Bucks roster that you're going to keep a particular eye on going against the Saints that you think is going to have a particularly good game? Offensively oh, or defensively? There's, there's so many. Um, <laughs> I'm pretty high on Carlton Davis right now. He's been playing lights out. He leads the team in interceptions. He has four interceptions. Um, and the Bucks lead um, in total takeaways with 14. Mm-hmm. Like their ability to create turnovers has been critical. So Carlton Davis is one of those guys. I feel like he's not very widely known maybe, but he's definitely one of the top players on this Bucks defense. Um, so what they can do, and of course, what I was mentioning before about the combination of just getting the pass rush. I mean, you have to get pressure on Tom Brady when he's leading the league in completion percentage. That's first and foremost. And as I said before, that trickle down effect that if they can get the pressure on, you know, Breeze, mm-hmm. then you know, Carlton Davis, maybe he'll get two picks this game. <laughs> well, I hope not. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> Sorry, thanks, Karen. Well, Karen, we appreciate your time. Congratulations on all of the things that you are doing. Uh, a tremendous job in w- at WFLA. We wish you nothing but the best, and hopefully we'll be talking to you soon. Thanks, friend. Thanks for having me on. Okay, get out your fantasy football apps and get ready as Daniel Salerson sits down with Sports Illustrated's Ben Heisler for a little fantasy talk.
All right, Caroline, thank you very much. As always, joining us now is Ben Heisler, host, analyst, and editor for SI Gambling and Fantasy, going to help us out again for uh, another week of fantasy football. And, and Ben, we have to start with the New Orleans Saints here. And, and Alvin Kamara, another week of 100-plus total yards for him. Um, everyone just keeps talking about how how many numbers he's putting up. Where does Kamara rank in your eyes for, for top fantasy players so far this year? He's he's the guy. He's the guy, Daniel. Think about all the numbers that he's put up, especially in points per reception leagues. He's clear and above over Dalvin Cook. And the only reason that Cook is in that conversation is after that four touchdown, just terrific performance that he had uh, on the road against the, the Green Bay Packers last week. But Kamara, fairly consistent, averaging 28 points per game uh, in PPR leagues. He has 66 targets in the receptions game, 55 total receptions. And then he's also carried the ball. 87 times for 430 yards, averaging five yards per carry. So the fact is, you know, maybe you make the argument that with Michael Thomas there, he's not as much involved in the passing game. But, um, you know, I, I think with Kamara, he's carried the Saints on his shoulders. Uh, and then for fantasy owners as well, this is somebody that was going probably number four, number five overall. And, you know, certainly the first two, three guys have been a bit of a, a disappointment with Christian McCaffrey and Saquon Barkley, uh, and then Ezekiel Elliott having all sorts of issues in Dallas. So Kamara has been the fantasy MVP so far this year. And uh, certainly a lot of credit is deserved for, for how he's played and how consistent he's been all throughout the course of the season. I'm glad he brought up the Cowboys as we're going to flip this a little bit and talk about how to how disappointing they have been. Of course, the injury to Dak Prescott, even Andy Dalton, but you mentioned Ezekiel Elliott. We'll even go to the, the wide receiving core, Amari Cooper and Gallup and others. Um, can you trust anyone right now from the Cowboys if you have them in your fantasy lineup? Not particularly, although I will say that, you know, if you have Zeke, you still kind of have to start him. I mean, you know that the, the opportunity is going to be there. It's just a matter of Dallas at some point starting to get any sort of trust and continuity on their offensive line. Um, and, and the other thing too, is that when you have guys like, you know, Andy Dalton and Ben DiNucci and whoever they're going to roll out this week, when there's no trust in the quarterback, it really doesn't matter what the weapons are, you know, teams are going to stack the box eight, nine guys deep. And you're going to be in a situation where even though Ezekiel Elliott could carry the ball 19 times, he only ran for 63 rushing yards against Philadelphia last week, the last two weeks under four yards a carry. Um, and he's not seeing the, the same type of receptions in the passing game that we had seen uh, in years past. And even earlier on over the course of the season, you know, think back to week two, he had seven targets uh, against the Falcons week three, 11 targets, um, against Seattle. Yeah, against Arizona, he had 10 targets in the passing game, but the last two weeks, just two, it, it usually is a sort of a, it's based off of a, a bad situation right now with sort of just no consistency whatsoever at the quarterback spot. It's a rough spot for a lot of Cowboys. As for the wide receivers, I, I still think Amari Cooper is in play considering the volume that he'll typically get. Michael Gallup saw the most amount of targets last week, but that was from Ben DiNucci and he's no longer going to be the quarterback. So really after Cooper and Zeke, uh, I think those are guys that you probably still want to hold on to if you have room on your bench, Daniel, but uh, they're certainly not fantasy viable at this point. Let's go to the quarterback position. These are two quarterbacks I have in, in different leagues, but I've just noticed a trend, you know, Josh Allen had that great start and has kind of dipped a little bit. That could be because of the competition he's facing, but also could be Josh Allen just struggling right now. And then also for people that, we're, we're so happy to get Lamar Jackson after what he put up last year. It just doesn't seem like he's having the same year as far as numbers-wise. I know the Ravens are still a really good team in the AFC, but are there concerns for those that have Josh Allen and Lamar Jackson? I don't think so. I mean, Josh Allen right now is still the number four scoring fantasy quarterback, and converse that with Lamar Jackson. 
uh, who has fallen all the way down to 14th behind Jared Goff, behind Justin Herbert. Um, you know, that's pretty remarkable considering, A, the, the draft capital that, that so many fantasy owners invested in Lamar Jackson. And, and listen, like, it's, it's still going to be okay. He still has 411 yards rushing. Uh, that is second behind Kyler Murray so far this year. So, you know, the, the results are still going to come from both the rushing side and the receiving side. And one other thing to consider, and this is still, you know, if anybody might have a little bit too much depth at the quarterback spot, uh, and perhaps maybe you don't have enough and you're looking for Lamar Jackson, their schedule down the stretch of the season is very, very exciting for fantasy owners. Week 13, they're home against Dallas. Week 14 on the road against Cleveland. And then Jacksonville and the New York Giants both at home to close out the fantasy playoffs. So this isn't just for Lamar Jackson. If you are a fantasy manager and you are looking to try and make a move to put yourself in a really good position leading into the fantasy football playoffs, I can't highly suggest this enough. Go and trade for Baltimore Ravens because with a couple losses this year, they haven't locked up that playoff seating the way that maybe a lot of us thought they would. And going into the fantasy playoffs, they have dream spot matchups that they're going to need to win. I think they're in great, great shape especially if you're looking to trade and buy low on some of, guy, on some of these guys like Lamar Jackson and Marquise Hollywood-Brown. Uh, let's go to the waiver wires. Lastly, before I let you go here, give me someone, doesn't matter what position, uh, some waiver wire pickups for, for those that are looking for someone this week. Yeah, I, I was really surprised that Zach Moss of the Buffalo Bills was available in more than 50% of Yahoo leagues. Uh, he's their number one back. I'm more convinced of it than ever, especially with how much he outsnapped Devin Singletary in the red zone near the goal line. Um, he had two touchdowns last week. Uh, and also everybody thought, well, Singletary is going to catch a lot of passes. He's the better PPR back. Um, nope. No, the, the situation was Moss ended up being that guy. And again, when you factor in the opportunities, especially near the goal line inside the five, uh, Zach Moss, if for whatever reason he is still available in your league, uh, go ahead and grab him. Also, if you're looking for just somebody that you just need to take a desperate flyer on, Tyler Irvin might be somebody. Now, you may not have heard of him before. It's because he's the fourth string running back on the Green Bay Packers. But Aaron Jones uh, may be ruled out this week for Green Bay. We already know that both Jamal Williams and A.J. Dillon have been ruled out. It's a short game off of a short week. Uh, this is somebody that could legitimately get upwards of 20 carries if he's the only running back left for the Packers. So it's not necessarily a sexy name. It's probably a, a, a one hit wonder if it does pay off, but Tyler Irvin of the Green Bay Packers for anybody that's in desperate need of a running back. All right. Good stuff there. It's been Heisler host analyst and editor for SI gambling and fantasy joining us every week here on the new Orleans States podcast. Ben, I appreciate the time. Yeah, absolutely. All right, Caroline back to you. Okay, Saints fans, if you're listening to this on Wednesday, we will have an injury report out Wednesday afternoon. We'll also have an injury report on Thursday and Friday uh, leading up to the game on Sunday. So be sure to keep an eye on that. Easiest way to do that is to turn on your notifications on your Saints app. Hopefully you already have that downloaded. If you're a listener of this show and you don't have the Saints app downloaded, I'm sorry to say, but I'm a little disappointed in you. So make sure you download the Saints app, turn on your notifications, and you'll have that injury report as soon as it comes out. That'll do it for the, today's New Orleans Saints podcast presented by SeatGeek. Quickly, a word from our friends at SeatGeek. Just like all of you, SeatGeek can't wait to get back in the stands with you to cheer on the Saints and sing along to our favorite songs again. They're using this time to make discovering, buying, and selling tickets to events in the Big Easy, well, easier. 
Plus, every ticket purchase on SeatGeek is protected by their buyer guarantee, which means you'll get your money back or better if your event is canceled. Guaranteed. Download the SeatGeek app today, and when the time is right, let's go. SeatGeek. All right, as I mentioned, we'll be talking a little bit about the newest Saints acquisition, Quan Alexander. He's a linebacker from the 49ers. We'll talk a little bit more about him, LSU player. If you're interested in that, be sure to tune in to Friday's episode. Okay, for Karen Loftus, Ben Heisler, Daniel Salerson, John DeShazer, I'm Caroline Gonzalez. Thanks for listening to the Wednesday edition of the New Orleans Saints podcast presented by Saints.